Hello and welcome to level 66 of Three Extra Lives, a video game and trivia podcast. I'm your host, Tom Knight. Welcome to the first level in 2021. We made it, I guess, and here we go with another year of video game positivity, indie game successes, and trivia, and all that feel-good video game stuff right there, which I'm here to deliver to you in a little audio format known as a podcast. Yes, you are listening to a podcast. I don't think we should hang about. I think we should just get right into it. We've been away for a little while. It's time to get back into the swing of things. Let's get on with the show. Sadly, I have to start this level of 3 Extra Lives with some sad news that the Tetris World Champion Jonas Nibara has died at the age of 39. And I'm bringing this up because Jonas Nibara actually did quite a lot for the resurgence of the Tetris competitive scene. Now, Nibaru was a seven-time Classic Tetris World Champion, and the Classic Tetris World Championship is a contest that's been running since 2010. The contestants play on a 1989 Nintendo version of Tetris on an actual Nintendo Entertainment System console and on a CRT television. Yeah, like on a chunky television, not not these flat screens anymore. No, it's back to when you had a tiny TV that weighed about the amount of a grand piano. But anyway, sadly, Jonas Nabaru passed away from a medical complication at the start of 2021. And while this is sad news, I wanted to bring it up again because it had done so much for the competitive Tetris scene. Nabaru being the person who's won it the most, I think he has a really great story even though sadly his life has been cut short. He began playing Tetris at an early age on his uncle's Macintosh computer and he started playing the NES version when he turned 9 years old. And he competed at the inaugural Classic Tetris World Championship back in 2010, which he won, defeating Harry Hong in the final. He then went on to win the next three tournaments uh, before placing second in 2014 and between 2015 and 2017 he won the championship three more times uh, before being defeated in the 2018 final by 16 year old Joseph Saley. Now if you've never watched competitive Tetris I'm going to drop a link in the show notes where Nabaru takes on Joseph Saley and oh my goodness competitive Tetris is something like I've never seen before it's it's incredible i mean i remember playing tetris on the game boy and you know you've probably played tetris you know it do 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 you know you've you've played tetris and you know that it's a game that you play to pass a bit of time but seeing it played competitively and obviously we've seen kind of rise in tetris as well when we have the tetris 99 on the nintendo switch which is like a battle royale but seeing it played at this pace and how it can be played at such a maximum velocity, it is absolutely incredible. In 2018, in June, Nibaru set a highest score world record of 1,245,200 points. So a legend, a legend in the field of Tetris and sadly with us no more, but I believe his legacy will carry on and inspire future generations to keep playing this game that came out in the 80s. This game 
came out in the 80s but it's being still played today as a competitive gaming title and I think that is a real testament to the game as well it's simple when you look at it on paper but when you see it played at this level it's absolutely mind-blowing I would definitely encourage you to check out some of Nabaru's competitive matches in the world championship and the other competitors as well there's a great circuit there of players performing at the highest level and sadly will no longer contain Jonas Nabaru but like I say his legacy will live on and inspire more to take up the Tetris challenge. It's trivia time! So we were talking about Tetris and here we go with a Tetris question. True or false? Tetris can be completed. The answer is false. The game never ends with the player's victory. The player can only complete as many lines as possible before the inevitable loss. Since 1996, the Tetris company has internally defined specification and guidelines that publishers must adhere to in order to be granted a license to Tetris. Did you get that one right? If you did, give yourself an extra life. Up next on Free Extra Lives, I mentioned it in the previous level of games that I was going to be playing over the holidays and one of those games was Final Fantasy 14. Hey, I'm back! I'm back playing Final Fantasy 14. It's a game I've dabbled in a few times and it's never quite stuck 100% and I think that's okay and you may have experience with any number of the Final Fantasy titles that have come out over the, the years. I know a lot of people, the first Final Fantasy game they play ends up being their favorite Final Fantasy game. And that's probably the case with myself as well, where I played Final Fantasy VIII. Although, funny story, I actually bought that game when I was on a family holiday in Spain. And the game was just totally in Spanish. And I remember trying to play through it in Spanish. I didn't get very far, and inevitably I repurchased the game in English later on. But Final Fantasy XIV, it's a little bit different from Final Fantasy VIII because it's an MMORPG. That's a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. In case you didn't know that, I mean, I feel like you would. And the interesting thing about Final Fantasy XIV is that when it was released initially in its first iteration in 2010, it received very poor reception, it did a lot of actual damage to the Final Fantasy brand, and Square Enix actually issued an apology due to the quality of the game. At that time, in 2011 then, they decided to scrap the current version of the game and they were going to rebuild it from the ground up, initially titling it Final Fantasy XIV 2.0. That turned into Final Fantasy A Realm Reborn when it was released again in 2013. And the interesting thing about the whole failure of the initial Final Fantasy XIV is that that became part of the game's lore. They turned it into an event called the Calamity where basically there was this cataclysmic event in the game and they built on that for the news story that kicked off the game. And although that's generally considered probably the weakest part of the game now is that initial story, the overall story that continues throughout expansions has actually been widely regarded as maybe some of the best Final Fantasy storytelling out of all the games. And obviously that is subjective to people's opinions. Just thought I'd throw it out there though because you do hear a lot of great things about the story in Final Fantasy XIV 
in regards to how it's being told women in MMO. And so I decided to jump back into Final Fantasy XIV, mainly because there's a free trial now where if you start a new account, you can get access to the entire base game and the expansion, first expansion there, Heavensward, for free. You can jump in there and you can play it as much as you want until you reach the second expansion, which is Stormblood, and then you would have to obviously purchase that and subscribe. But I decided, you know, I've got a bit of a Final Fantasy itch. I've got a bit of an MMO itch. I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to start again. I'm just going to start a fresh, start a fresh account, not worry about subscriptions or anything like that and just see how I feel. And actually, when they introduced this trial version of the game, they removed a lot of the filler content with regards to the main story quest. So in Final Fantasy, you go for a main story quest, you have your side quest, you have other things going on as well, but mainly you are encouraged to focus on the main story quest when you first go into this game. So you get a feel for the world, the characters in it, and you get a sense of appreciation of that too. So they removed a lot of these filler quests as well, which is basically like, hey, Billy wants an apple, go get Billy an apple, and you, you bring Billy his apple, and he's like, that apple's not shiny enough, you need to go take it two countries over, and get it really shiny and bring it back to me, and then you bring it back, and Billy's still not happy because you haven't cut it in four. Basically, that kind of stuff has been greatly reduced. There's still, still a few things like that, and I think that's just MMOs in general have some of those quests where you're like, oh, come on, like seriously? But I've really enjoyed what I've been playing in Final Fantasy XIV again so far, and... There's a lot there to digest and I think if you're new to the MMO genre, if you have an interest in Final Fantasy as well, I think you're going to fit in right at home though because Final Fantasy XIV, it draws all the aesthetic of a Final Fantasy game, the music, the feel, and it really operates so well, so fluidly as an MMO and it doesn't feel out of place sometimes with games that initially were solo games that made that transition to online. They feel a bit clunky, they feel a bit off, and obviously when this game first came out, suffered similar issues, but rebuilt from the ground up, and wow, it's just gone from strength to strength. To see a game that was received so poorly, was then taken off the shelf, and rebooted, and to see how it's doing now, it's really great. It's really great to see that games, sometimes when they don't go, they are not released, and not received in the way that perhaps intended, and that could be for many, many reasons. I mean. I don't want to say the word cyberpunk, but yeah, there's lots of things going on there with that game too. I've seen it with games like No Man's Sky, but there is an opportunity there for developers to redeem their product and also put in the work to perhaps rediscover that vision of what the game initially meant to be. And obviously, again, a lot of reasons why games don't turn out the way they were originally intended to. So I'd say if you have any interest in Final Fantasy series and you've maybe never given Final Fantasy XIV a chance. Now is a perfect time, perfect time to jump into Final Fantasy XIV. There's a lot going on there. There's going to be an announcement in February 2021, I believe, which is going to talk about the next expansion, which is very exciting. So it's a great time to jump into Final Fantasy XIV. Like I say, that free trial, I'm going to drop a link into my show notes as well if you want to check that out. And yeah, I've just been playing a lot of Final Fantasy over the holidays, playing through that main story and just losing myself in the world of Eorzea. It's been really refreshing just to do that and a bit of an escapism as well from, you know, what's going on in real life because you need that sometimes. It's a bit too much and just having a place where you can hang out and do some quests and get that feel-good Final Fantasy feeling is... it's happening for me in Final Fantasy XIV and 
I, I fully intend to, to stick to it this time. I've I've purchased kind of the complete bundle with all the expansions. I'm working my way through that story and I'm, I'm looking forward to putting a bit more time into it. I always seem to have an MMORPG on the go and currently this this is the one. This is the one that's being played. This is the, the one that's taking up my time. So we'll see how it goes. But again, go check it out. If you've never checked out Final Fantasy XIV or even if you did maybe a few years ago, games always evolving, changing, and I think any fan of the Final Fantasy series is going to get a massive kick out of this game. It's trivia time! So let's talk about Final Fantasy. So here we are with a Final Fantasy question. As of January 2021, how many Final Fantasy games have been released as part of the main numbered series? The correct answer is 15! Did you get that one right? If you did, give yourself an extra life. Something else I've been playing over the holidays, quite a lot actually, is a little game, oh, I don't know, you might have heard of it, it's called Hades. Hades is a roguelike action role-playing video game developed and published by Supergiant Games. Now Supergiant Games have a bit of a reputation in the indie scene of producing really high quality indie games. You might have heard of Bastion or another title called Transistor, both games that were hugely well received when they came out. And Hades has come along and it's received a lot of accolades, overwhelmingly positive reviews, saw a lot of hype surrounding it and it was initially released back in December 2018, went through the early access phase and finally released properly across Windows, Nintendo Switch, Mac OS on September 2020 and had my eye on it and I saw the reviews coming in and again it's like is it as good as people are saying is it really that good and I have to say you know what it is it is that good and I had this on my my wish list on Steam and I was going to go pick it up actually I didn't get around to it anyway turns out very generous Monica from Geek Caring ended up sending me this gift as a little holiday present and I was very excited to bust that open and get playing it because of all the things people were saying about it and one thing you will notice when you first go into Hades is the art style and the presentation, the interaction between the various characters, especially the, the gods of Olympus as well. You've, you've got all the, the favorites there, you know, you've got Ares, Athena, Artemis, Hades obviously does make an appearance, Hermes, you've got Zeus, you've got a lot of characters in there as well. You've got some other characters as well that aren't gods but they are also aspects of Greek mythology and are very enjoyable to interact with. So as you go into Hades, you spawn in the house of Hades, you play as Zagoras, the son of Hades, and you are on a quest, a quest to escape from the underworld. And you do this by fighting through chambers and areas and progress your way upwards to the outside world. You're trying to escape from the hellish domain of the underworld. And as you do this, you have various types of items and currency that you can collect to help you along the way. So when you start off going through a run in Hades, you're 
battling enemies, you're going from chamber to chamber, and as you go from one chamber to the next, sometimes you get a choice in the chambers of what items you're going to pick. Maybe you pick up like a centaur heart, which increases your health. Maybe you pick up a Charon's coin, so you can spend coin when you come across a vendor during your run to increase one of your abilities or to buy health back. You can collect this other currency called Darkness, which is used to buy talent points back in the House of Hades. So when you've died, you come back to the House of Hades. And one thing this game does really well is it doesn't make you feel that bad about dying. You have interaction with the characters. You have a bit of banter with them, actually. So maybe you got killed by a certain creature or a boss and they say, Hey, oh, I saw you got killed by um, such and such. And, you know, have you tried doing this? You know, have you tried not standing in the, uh, the flaming pit of fire that they spawn? Zagoras is just like, oh yeah, maybe I should try that. And it's just really great. The conversation always feels enjoyable to experience and the connection between the gods as well. And the gods come into it mainly with regards to their power. So as you go through chambers as well, they can offer these things called boons, which when you take them, they increase or alter one of your basic abilities. So you have about four basic attacks including a dash, a charge attack, and like a powerful heavy attack as well. And these boons serve to amplify these attacks in some ways, maybe increase their damage or give you a gift of the god. For example, if you were to pick Zeus, for example, he might offer you a chance that when you dash, that a lightning bolt strikes nearby. And as you go through your run, you increase these abilities, you can change them up a bit, and they may also synergize with another god's ability. So it's all about making a build as you go through a run and adapting and the landscape as you go through a various run in Hades stays somewhat similar but it can change up with regards to the enemies that you're fighting and they get more difficult the further you go and you'll also encounter boss fights as well that sometimes change up a little just to keep it fresh. Ultimately this game is telling a story and it tells that story by you going out into the underworld, dying, coming back and revisiting the House of Hades, hearing a bit more of the story, hearing a bit more of the conversation, powering up your character, and then going back out there and giving it another shot to see if you can escape the underworld. And one point before I finish up here is that, can you pet the dog in this game? Yes, you certainly can. You can pet Cerberus. He doesn't like two of his other heads being petted, but he does like one of his heads being petted in a certain way. And actually, with regards to Cerberus, Cerberus went on a bit of a rampage and wrecked parts of the House of Hades, which then you use another currency called Gemstones to start repairing aspects of that as well. So that's another place to put your currency in. And yeah, there's, there's quite a bit going on there, but I think it's one of those games that doesn't take you long to get into the swing of things. And also when you watch the combat of Hades before you ever get started, it's like, how can I ever play a game that's moving this fast? And there's so many abilities happening and things I need to move out of. But actually, surprisingly, as a 30-something gamer, I really got into the muscle memory of dodging abilities and moving out of the way of stuff and attacking enemies. And it actually helps the further you go on as well with regards to your boons, what abilities you take, and your playstyle as well. And you also have various infernal arms, which are various weapons that you can choose from, which you unlock throughout the game as well, which might influence the playstyle that you go through. So a lot of options there with regards to replayability. So yes, Hades is living up to the hype. I definitely say go check it out. If you're a fan of roguelike games, you're going to love Hades. You're going to love everything about it. I love it so much that I've got a 
Greek mythology book downloaded onto my Kindle, ready to read a bit more about Greek mythology because it's it's got me hyped for that. It's got me hyped for learning about that. So I'd say that's a win. And the game is absolutely spectacular as well. So go check it out. Hades by Supergiant Games. It's trivia time. We were talking about Hades and you know, let's go for a Greek mythology question. Who is the wife of Zeus? Is it Athena, Artemis or Hera? The correct answer is Hera. Hera is the queen of the gods and is the wife and sister of Zeus in the Olympian Parthenon. She is known for being the goddess of marriage and birth. Did you get that one right? If you did, give yourself an extra life. And here we are at the end of another level of three extra lives, the first one of 2021. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you didn't miss me being away too much. As always, you can leave feedback for the show over on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at 3 Extra Lives. You can also email the show podcast at 3 Extra Lives. And like always, we've got the show notes, which I have dropped a few links into for you to click on, which I did mention during the show over at 3extralives.com. So go over there. Like I say, everything I've mentioned will be there for you. So you don't have to go searching because who wants to do that? And that's it. We've reached the end of another level, my friends. I thank you very much for tuning in. And I'll see you all in level 67. 